Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Friday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is September 10th. Andy, how are we doing? Brendan, I'm doing great. It's, it's nice to be recording on September 10th. It is a Friday morning recording. We uh, we were waiting to watch a little more coffee golf, wanted to digest a little more BMW PGA Championship. Uh, you were up early. I was up early for different reasons. We decided to make it a fresh and, and I don't know. Bushy-tailed, wide-eyed morning episode, you know, Friday. And you could sit with this all weekend. We're going to do kind of a expanded flash, uh, not flashback, more of a spotlight on a past Wentworth, Wentworth Delight 2011, the, the battle between Westy and Luke Donald, your, your boy Westy, maybe. I mean, we'll two get of into my it. boys. I mean, Luke, Luke Donald you. was like one of my favorite player because I caddied for him like two weeks before he turned pro. Um wasn't when he was like one like, of the first Fried Egg podcast guests too? Wasn't he on no, Fried Egg? Like, he was on no? Fried Egg a couple years ago. Uh, yeah, um, okay. and there's some interesting anecdotes that we anecdotes that we can pull from that okay. um, with some of the comments made by a peer uh, after he uh, overtook number one in the world there. But uh, yeah, right. I mean, as a you know, when you're a high school golfer and uh, and you get a caddy for you know. Luke Donald, who's turning pro like in two weeks, he, he becomes your like. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you become a works. big fan, you know? And, yeah, uh, sure. and so regard, it, it, it was, uh, was a, this was a fun playoff because I was a Westie and a Luke Donald fan. And, uh, it was a, uh, you know, it was kind of bittersweet. All right. Well, so we'll go do that. We'll do th- that in our, you know, normal Friday spot. But let's get into uh, some of the news since we last talked. The Ryder Cup picks were made. I was pining for Kokrak and Nah and Billy Boy. Uh, they did not go that route, if you believe it or not. Um, they did the usual. The three we all expected, Sh- uh, Shoffley, Spieth, and Finau. That was no surprise. Harris English, pretty much um, no surprise. And then Daniel Berger did make it in. I-, I think that was unsurprising. He seemed like a lock. That last spot... I guess we had the most uncertainty around it. There was a Scheffler candidacy. He did get it. Webb Simpson, Patrick Reed, of course, was was among the top twelve in points, um, and he did not get picked. Steve Stricker went. You know, those are six. A lot of praise for it. A lot of people felt like these were the six strongest. Not universal praise, certainly, and, and not among the Patrick Reed uh, Twitter account was didn't seem to be too well. Uh, I mean, it seems like he's retracted his. His, his oh, um, um, actions, unliking. unliking. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, we can see all these. But anyways, uh, you have your reactions to this. It seems like, look, this was the be- these are the best picks on paper. Everybody's talking about course fit. Everybody's talking about, I don't know, team, uh, I don't know, unity, if that's a thing. I guess Scheffler's probably more appealing to a lot of those young guys, uh, like Spieth and JT, who seem to... Be taking it's control the of the operation. Club. Yeah. Yeah. So the, 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 
it does seem to be almost universal praise outside of the read stands. Do you agree? Are you with it? Yeah, you know, I um, I'm not gonna at all criticize Sky Scheffler pick. I think it's a great pick. I think he is a uh, bona fide big time player. You know, and at Whistling Straits, where distance is a big deal, it's a you know getting him on that team is a, is a big. I think that was a great move. A from if you look back at Scotty Scheffler's career from even when he was a junior golfer, like he shows up at big events. Like he won the U.S. Junior, played great in NCAA's, played great in uh, U.S. Ams. You know he was a consistent force in big time events. Like where people had knocks on him and wondered if he was going to be a great professional golfer was like they would point towards like. He's a little inconsistent. He doesn't show up everywhere. But, you know, you look at where he showed up, it was always the biggest stages. And I think that is really kind of shown through even in his professional career. When he had to lock in on the Corn Ferry Tour, he was outstanding. Like that, you know, you can tell, like, when he locks in, he is really great player. And, you know, here's his record in major championships since 2020. T19, T4, T18, T8, T7, T8. Like, that's pretty damn good at big-time yep. golf courses in big-time events. So, the Scotty Scheffler pick, he's young. He's probably going to be on the team for years and years to come. And I, I, I don't know how you can fault the pick. Um, yeah, you can't. I don't think. I think you can, like, I think there were other suitable alter- alternatives. Like, you can say that while also not saying, oh, well, Scheffler well, is a... Let me tell you, my my nah, my nah um, alternative on Twitter, my tongue-in-cheek tweet. No, has, third in the world has How so many you? has so many people. Just, I mean, the replies are just incredible, and they never stop. They just don't stop. They keep coming. Oh, That's- I'm still getting shouted at about the Australian <laughs> swimming coach. It never ends. The Olympics <laughs> were a month and a half ago. It'll just it never happen. It never ends. That's great. People don't get your FedEx Cup bit, and that's what Twitter's for. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's a it's a great great roster. Great six picks. I, I I don't know how to say this like and sound intelligent um, and not like I'm I'm trying to have some first take debate, but I they, they probably went the right way. They probably went the right way. I don't. I yeah. Can't sometimes fault them. sometimes the the right take is just agreeing. You know, I don't yeah, think, we, yeah. I think like, I think we'll see how they, they pair, how they like the second guessing could be how they manage this roster. But I don't think there's yeah. like a, you know, there's no, I don't think we can look back if they get dismantled at whistling straights and say, oh, they picked the wrong guys this year. Like, that's just, no, I agree with like that. last year, la- last Ryder cup, it was totally that case. Like they had all these guys on a golf course. That didn't fit That's any of their games. Like that ridiculous. was an easy yeah. thing to look back and, and critique. And this time around, I don't think that that's a, a, a viable. I think you know if there's if they get if it's more of what we saw at Legalf National from the performance standpoint, I think then it goes to you know why why isn't this working? Why is the so-called more talented team? You know, you can him and haw about that, uh, not performing up to levels, and what are the decisions being made about who's playing with who? You know, that could well, that, be where 
where the critique comes from, but there's no, we brought the wrong guys. Right, right. I, I guess I, I guess if we do get waxed, I, I think we need to start thinking about this in different terms. There's no like criticism here, like this is a Curtis Strange 95 thing, like just yes. a pick out of nowhere. Um, but like we need, maybe like, I, we're always good on paper. The The world rankings are always loaded. And I guess like we maybe well maybe if, maybe I don't know. we we'll should see. start picking by, based on the FedEx Cup. Well, that's not the FedEx Cup, but this <laughs> might just be a different event. We're picking a roster based on guys who rack up points on the dartboard tour, and then they go to the Ryder Cup, and it's like it's like picking a guy for the three point contest for the that's awesome in three point contest for a dunk contest. It might be two different games. And the Euros have clearly figured this out, taking Sergio Garcia, like, who knows where he is on the points. Of course, he's got 30 years of, of, of proof in this event. And, and Paul, like, they years. just go off the board. Just Whatever, aging, 20 years, 20 years, 20 years, 30 years, whatever. 30 years of controversy, 50 years of controversy. 20 years. So, like, they just go for it. They did it last time. They're like, all right, these are the guys we know who excel in this kind of contest, whether they can, you know, do it at WG FedEx Memphis or not. Like, it doesn't matter. We know. It might just be two entirely different contests, and we just keep running in there with the world rankings average under 10 and getting waxed when it's not a golf. It, it's not It's not the kind of golf on which those rankings were built. And, like, that's where you could get into a, a Horschel might be – the perfect person for this event, and he'll never get in because he's, or unless he goes nuts and gets into the top twelve in the world one year. I, I don't know. It just seems like this is like the intangibles versus stats thing, and I don't want to be like I, I was moaning when Stricker was like, "I'm more of a gut guy. I don't really like analytics." Like that's not, you know, that's not at all what I'm, I'm pining for here. I just wonder, like, if we keep going into this roster. Uh, going into these with rosters built on world rankings amassed in a kind of golf that just isn't this kind of contest, whereas the Euros completely understand um, that this is a, t- a totally different kind of golf and, and who ex- who excels in that might not matter, you know, that he's, you know, 11th in the world and he got there by, you know, winning in wherever, Memphis and Atlanta and wherever else. So yeah. I, I don't know. It's just... I mean, you brought up Billy Boy... I mean, the guy has—he was number one player in the world and didn't make the FedEx or Come make on. the uh, Ryder Cup team. Come on, that's it. All, all I know, I know, like people say, like, oh, you gotta have driving distance. You gotta the guys who aren't hit it, poof it. There's no case for them. Well, watch I, Ian Poulter. This we'll might see be the one thing where stats. What? We'll see how Ian Poulter does this this yeah. week because that's that would be the counterpoint. It is like, oh, you need driving distance. You need this, like. Well, and, and Ian Poulter's obviously been a terrific uh, Ryder Cup player for 20 years. Like, let's see how Ian Poulter does out there, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. He, he doesn't hit it far. And, uh, you know, he would be kind of the example of, of the, I don't know, Kevin <laughs> Kevin Knott's stats don't look good, you know? No, no. <laughs> but, but, it, but this I, might I'd be one Poulter, contest yeah. where those stats, like, I don't know. Like, you're saying find throw the stats the, that create good stats, pairings. Throw the stats out the window. No, no, I don't know. I think this will be a good, good examination of that. It's a three day. Like, clearly, I don't think this means much to Dustin Johnson. I don't like. Like, there's just guys. Well, TJ's going to be the a, guy that's teaching them everything they need to know about whistling straights this right. weekend. You know, that's right. Stricker's right. going to be leaning on DJ for uh, 
for to teach him where, you know, he's gonna walk over on eighteen. He's gonna be like, no, over here, this yeah. is a bunker. I I just I don't want to sound like Tony Larusa here. He's finding like clubhouse guys or whatever that, but like I just wonder that this is such a different kind of golf that all the stats we like look at in other events are over, we're overweighting those now in terms of just finding guys we know will show up in, in this kind of atmosphere and this kind of competition. Anyways. I think this will be a real examination for that because our one through twelve is as not R. I'm not you know necessarily partial, but but the American roster one through twelve, I think no one has any faults with it besides Reed's. Um, who's All the thirteenth right. guy with Kepka? Who's the thirteenth guy? I with mean, Kepka, uh, how can it be Reed? How how can it be him? It can't. It can't. Like especially this. Like he, you know, Stricker made like very very nice comments. Like. Stricker could have been like, yeah, we didn't want to pick him. He's a cancer. You know, look at what he's done the last two team competitions. He's been an utter distract- distraction. And he's also not attempt- been good. Yeah. He's yeah. also not been good and, uh, <laughs> yeah. on top of like, that. You know, but he all. made like the most polite, nice comments about about Reed. Like it would it, it they were extremely like you couldn't have gone to one more extreme of of where on the scale his comments about that situation would be. And yep. then Reed, or whoever's running Reed's Twitter account, is out there encouraging people just say bullying Stricker. Yeah. Like he's got <laughs> it's just insane. Whoever run I mean, I think we know who runs reed's pr is a lunatic like does not understand like reed should have been like oh i'm disappointed but but i'm ready to go in case of anything like he was clearly like there's no way stricker couldn't pick him next after those comments until reed goes and does what reed does you know yep so now i would i would pick like webb he's like the safe yeah He's like the most reliable plug and play. You know what you're getting. And like just because you bring Webb in, say Brooks can't play and you're not as high on Webb as everybody else, doesn't mean Webb needs to play in anything but singles. And I'm sure Webb would be fine with that. Yeah, he would be the one that would kind of ride, ride along, yeah. be up like, there, just you, ready to give rock. If you bring Reed in and you say, We're not playing you until singles, what do you think's going to happen? I know. That's the whole thing. Like, Reed probably wants to see this go down in flames now because he, he can say, you know, I'm not there. Whereas, you know, yeah, it's Captain America probably wants to see his own side lose. Real Captain, you know. <laughs> Anyways, all right, let's go on. Let's move on with it. Wentworth ongoing right now. We're going to flash back, do a little spotlight on a past Wentworth. Uh, I'm Interesting enough for Brizio Zanotti, T3. At that? Wentworth right now, he'll be a, he'll be I don't know a focal point, but he'll be involved in the 2011 one. Lori Cantor leading. I don't know. It's been good coffee golf the past two days. We've got some the spicy bullet, comments. The bullets in about, there. What if the bullet wins and gets a rider? Nobody would be more excited about a Ryder Cup uh, berth. Is he bullet. eligible? He's got to he be right. It's a long list. I know. I don't think he's don't anywhere know. near. Content, but if he wins, say he wins. What if the? Could you imagine how excited he'd be about the Ryder Cup? Given how excited he gets yeah. about, you know, he got he's super excited. Well, he's super excited about this week. Yeah, I think that's probably just going to go 
Garcia Poulter Rose. It seems like that's where we're headed. And Lowry on on Sunday. Well, Lowry's going to get Lowry and Westy are getting yeah. out on the points. I think right. There's and the Lowry's playing well. Yeah. Yeah. It seems. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, like, right. if Thomas Peters wins, Thomas. Do you think about that? He's played well, better, better this year, right? Been mm-hmm. around a lot of these leaderboards. Thomas. But like with with Rose playing well in the event, like that's the thing is Rose is. 11th right now obviously it's you know that'll change because he's in the middle of his round but like yeah. I, I just have a hard time seeing anybody else get that spot yeah yep um that i don't know it's menacing to think about those three garcia poulter and rose it's just i i look well, what was menacing. rose gonna do without stenson <laughs> that's the other thing people are trying what's, to make what's fleetwood his... what's fleetwood gonna do without molinari People are trying to boost like Stenson's candidacy because he was like factoring at the Real Czech Masters, where you know there's like nobody. It's like come on, all right. Anyways, Lori Cantor's your leader there. That's been great coffee golf the last couple of days. I apologize. I apparently said it'd be good coffee golf on Saturday uh, because it didn't run into college football. It'll be over thirty minutes in, but Illinois apparently game. Illinois tees off at or I don't know kicks off at eleven Eastern. I apologize to the Illinois. Yeah. And for UVA fans, why they're kicking off at 11 Eastern, I have no idea. But, you know, if that's going to, you know, vie for your time against coffee golf, then so be it. All right. Let's 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 get back. Let's get to uh, 2011 B- BMW PGA Championship at the Wentworth Golf Club in Virginia Water, Surrey, England. Uh, there, Luke Donald was our champion. He won it. This was his first of two in a row at Wentworth. Had always played well at Wentworth. Never won prior to 2011. Um Beats uh, Lee Westwood in a playoff uh, to take number one in the world from Westy. This was the year, of course, where it was like the Keimer, Westwood, Donald rotation. Yeah. Rory the, joins it a I've year later. Top 10 in the world here. Okay, go for uh, it. Right out. This it. is from after Wentworth. Um, you got Luke Donald, number one. Lee Westwood, number two. Keimer, number three. Phil, number four. Graham McDowell, five. Rory McElroy, six. Kucher seventh, Stricker eighth, Paul Casey ninth, Schwartzel tenth. And then some other Euros of note. You had Poulter at twelve in the in the world, Molinari at twenty, um Ernie, who wasn't a Euro but a heavy Euro player, was twenty one. Carlson, uh twenty three, Kuros Alvaro this was the Alvaro Kiros era. The big Q. I watched a What's in the Bag of Alvaro Quiroz for the research for this 2011 Wentworth. That's He's how a ping he guy, went right? down the rabbit hole. It was Callaway. Callaway. He, it was just crazy. Like, this is my driver, the Razor Hawk. It's like, I, it's like I, I hit this. This is the farthest one that goes. I've had it for a while. It was a Razor Hawk. I was, I was delighting in an Alvaro Quiroz, What's in the Bag, uh, which I usually am not a sucker for. But he was, he was like... The whatever pre you know millennial Cameron Champ as we call it he's just bombing it and now he's he was, nowhere he was to be post found. it went Hank Keeney to Kiros yeah <laughs> that's yeah. that's the progression but he, Hank Keeney was say, the first one you talked about how like you caddied for Donald and he kind of had an attachment like this was when I really 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 got into golf probably like two thousand nine. Like, like I was always into golf, but I'm talking about like reading every golf world cover to cover. And like Kiros just, I've had this ultimate fascination with Kiros, like the Keimer Donald Westwood rotation number one. 
Uh, this was like a real like sweet spot for me, an era that I loved. Um, all right, so, so let's, Kiro's that, is twenty four. Uh, okay, here real quick, your boy Marty Laird. He was more of an American though. You know, like it's Scottsdale, hard to call. It. Yeah. yeah, Scotland, Scottsdale. You know, more <laughs> Scottsdale than Scotland. Uh, right. Jimenez is twenty six. Uh, Rose is twenty ninth in Manicero. Mateo Manicero. 30th in the world at this point. If you keep going, you know, a lot of these guys are Euro Tour guys. Like Schwartzel's 10th in the world, obviously heavy Euro Tour player. So you just look, the top 30 of the, the world was was really filled with high-profile Euro Tour players. Yes. Uh, is it now, would you say? No. Much much less so, no. Yeah. yeah, it's a much more of a world world rankings and and United States. I don't know up and comers under thirty. I saw the Ryder Cup roster is going to be under 30, average age under thirty for the first time ever. Phil not being on there is part well, of that. I but mean, it's just the way the world of golf. Is you even golf look at like guys like Louis Oosthuizen, who were heavy Euro Tour players, have skewed towards heavy PGA Tour players. You know, like right. Westy. Westy's a great example of a guy that. Like he played this year, he's played so much on the PGA Tour, probably the most he's ever played on the PGA Tour. Um, you know, Fitzy. You, there, there are, I mean, ton of Euros in there, but they just don't play heavily. You know, they they pop over for these Rolex Series events, and that's about it. Yeah, I. So I read it. I read articles kind of all through the years. One, what's interesting is I found like something that's very similar to what we're talking about now in 1995. It was, I think, a Tim Roseford article. And it was just like Ken Schofield, the Euro Tour, being anxious about like the leaders on the order of merit in the Euro Tour were Fred Couples and Nick Price. It was like similar to what now with Race to Dubai. Like they'd not even played. It was just two like crossover events somewhere in the Philippines. And, and Faldo had just started playing on the PGA Tour. Um, and, and so they were all freaking out. Like, is everybody going over the States? Was, I just found it interesting. Like, oh, this is like. 26 years ago and we're kind of having a similar talk now i wouldn't say the euro tour is nearly as strong as it was in 1995 financially probably and and strategic alliance wise and all that but it was just interesting almost identical to what we're talking about now with with guys leading their race or money tour who hadn't even played um and, and sort of the anxiety about faldo faldo finding success on the pga tour and worried that a lot of people would follow him um but you're right they do just come over a lot for these Rolex series events. And that's what this we have this week. Um, BMW. Cool. I, I love the term flagship. Flagship event. <laughs> that's a good one. Gold standard, marquee. Flagship is the word they go for with uh, Wentworth. It's All creative. Right. It's different. I mean, the lead up oh, of the... So in 2011, the lead up to the tournament is all about, you know, the... Number one's up for grabs. Westy, obviously, with a good performance keeps number one you know donald if he beats westy and and keimer doesn't finish i think better than third takes over number one um so you know you had the three euros i think westwood and keimer died in the wool euro tour players um you know and and who came up with euro tour and then i think luke donald Donald. who was kind of in a way 
when you look at his career, a bit of a trailblazer in the way that he came up. We saw Euros go to college in America, but they often came back to Europe and and cut their teeth, you know, early yeah. in their career on the European tour. Donald goes to Northwestern, obviously has an incredible college career and kind of cuts his teeth on the PGA tour. He played, you know, still played a, a decent amount on the European tour, but he became a PGA tour star more so than a European tour star. And, you know, that's kind of what you see today with these with these young European kids. He was Mr. Chicago before Fitzy. Well, I, He's not I wanted died to in the ask wolf. you. He I might as well have gone to New Trier or something. He might as well not died in the wall. What are those Chicago, North, North, Southern, Northern Chicago high schools? Not died in the wall. He was already. Well, Mr. so Mr. my Chicago. question is, how much do you think Northwestern and the journalism, journalists pumping them had, a, had an impact on how, how Luke uh, went about turning pro? It's not nothing. Like I, he got I, a honestly, ton of exposure, right? Yes, yes. These... These purple people, these purple guys who are, you know, all over the media. It's not nothing. I, I promise you. Like for for those that aren't like inside baseball, like Northwestern pumps out a ton of of journalists, and, and they'll tell you about it. They'll yeah. tell you where they went <laughs> in the second sentence. I went to Medill, and they're supposed to genuflect to that for some reason. Although just drive by, you're just drive by. Oh god, this this is a Twitter bit. This has been a Twitter bit for years. It's like as a Medill grad, I don't know about the you know everybody jokes about this forever. They, they, you know, anyways, but yeah, it it probably plays into getting a little bit more coverage for Donald. The, the little favoritism for the for the Northwestern boy. Um, do you want to talk about the event at all? Or you want to talk yeah, more about let's Donald? talk about okay. it. All right, so it's just a smorgasbord uh, of European tour players. Donald comes out hot right like he shoots sixty four, trying to become number one in the world. You've got like a Johan Edfors sighting. Manasero is around all weekend. This is of course, I think he just won Rookie of the Year in twenty ten. He does win this uh, in twenty thirteen. So it goes. Donald Donald, 11-12, and then Menacero, who factors all weekend on this 11-1, finally wins it in 13. Again, just a darling of this era. Like, Kiros, mm-hmm. it, it just an absolute darling. Assume we, he was going to be... I, I feel for the guy. I, I'd love to see Mateo Menacero get back on there. Uh, yeah. He was on... He was Medina, right? He had to have been Medina Ryder Cup, I right? think so. Yeah. I, I mean, he's he playing on the Challenge that. Tour this week. I know. You just assumed he would be involved forever with the Ryder Cups. Um, you have Bradley Dredge, the Welsh player, you know, the next woozy involved played, a little bit. I think he played, uh, he might have played um, 2016. No way. In the, at uh, Hazeltine, Manicero? Yeah, there's no, no he way. He was not there. No, I was there. He was not. I know. I remember that one. That was like the Bumblebee, Fitzy, Chris Wood. Yeah. They had a lot of guys at the bottom of that, <laughs> bottom of that roster. If they had put him um, yellow and black, he would have. Uh, <laughs> would have had a better. Fabrizio Zanotti of Paraguay, who's now you know in the top five again this week. He was a factor. Peter Hansen. Uh, I don't Alvaro think he Kiros. never he never played the Ryder Cup. Manasero didn't make it in Medina. I think team he did. team appearances. Uh, Junior Ryder Cup. He played the Junior Ryder Cup. <laughs> Maybe that's but where he played, Na, uh, Royal... Nah this year. Play, Royal... Put him in the Junior Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits. 
Pair him, up, pair him up with Will. Poof it out. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Continuing on. So uh, third round, Donald is like, it starts to come unglued a little bit. Now, he hadn't won much, right? So this no. is the thing. He's bidding for number one in the world, but it's just a lot of like strong finishes. He hadn't won, I don't think, since... Uh, like four years. I think it'd been four years. Is that sound? Or no, 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 mm-hmm. no, no, no. I've got the or, oh, a stroke play. I'm sorry, stroke play event. He'd won these like these match plays. I believe it, it had been a while since he'd won. He won the Accenture match play in February 2011. That was the thing. Like, well, he hasn't won a stroke play. It's kind of like the the JT thing there for a while. Can you win like a continental US event, sort of, so to speak? Uh, it had been a little bit of a drought. So he starts to come unglued a little so, bit in the third. Well, third so, his, so his lead up to it, you know, just to to give you a little context. So he wins that match play T10 at Honda T6 at WGC uh, Cadillac with Doral uh, T, T4 at the Masters second at Heritage T8 at New Orleans T4 at the players second at the Volvo World Match Play. Uh, and then first here. So like a run of near wins, you know? Yes. Yes. And this was the this was the line they kept writing. The win was only the second in stroke play this this week at the Wentworth. In the past five years. He won the Madrid Masters in the European Tour in twenty ten. So the second in stroke play in five years, which kind of And we can talk about know, why doesn't paint the full like, picture. Why but. he was starting you know, starting rounds like losing a shot plus to the field every single round because of his, you know, driver um, difficulties. Difficulties and being, length. yeah, short, short and crooked, and getting to number one in the world is maybe the greatest achievement of all time. What he did with every other aspect of his game is, you know, unheard of. And it's why he was a great match play player, right? I think that's one of the things with match play is that. Other skills shine a bit more um, because it comes down to mano y mano and not mano versus the field and somebody you know and and that's where all round game I think I would just you know this is there's no data to back this up and maybe this is your point with with what we talked about earlier in this is that when you get into match play situations everything matters you know more so than just certain dominant skills yeah now would you say even in 2011 he's starting a shot like a, a oh shot yeah pass. that's i yeah. mean i've in in knowing you know pat goss a little bit they talk about how they knew mathematically that he had to pick up two and a half shots on the field in every other category to get to number one in the world like that was their thing and it was you know just to give you an idea about his so strokes gained ranks from on the tour from 2010 on. So 2010, he's 179 and off the tee. 179. He's ninth yeah. in approach, first in, if you combine putting and around the green, first in that. You go to 2011, wow. 92nd and off the tee, first approach, third if you combine putting and around the green. Then, then you go to 2012, and and this is where the slip kind of starts to happen. 141, 16th in approach, first around the green, uh, and putting. 
you know, 2013, 13th approach, second around the green, but he's 163rd and off the tee. Um, and 2014 is where the big slip kind of happened, where he's 168 off the tee and uh, 50th in approach and fifth around the green. Uh, so, so, you know, like he did it a completely different way than most number ones in the world do it. Like Westy, Westy wasn't the longest guy, but he was plenty long and a great, like, you know, great tee to green player. Like there are not a lot of, and I don't know if there will ever be another Luke Donald getting to number one, the way in which he got to number one. Like in that, I think is his lasting legacy. Is he a hall of famer? Probably not. Um, I don't think so. But at the same time, in the in the manner in which he got to wor- world number one in the era that he did is utterly unbelievable. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit. Like this, especially his 2011 season where he won money titles on both sides of the Atlantic. Kind of a, a ridiculous mark. I mean, that would be his one claim, like real claim to Hall of Fame. We'll talk about the m- major like shortcomings. There's a lot of, I don't know, they. they a lot of like lofty prose written about what was to come, right? Like, oh, the floodgates will open, all that stuff, which we write about everybody. It's interesting to read now, 10 years later. Um, so speaking of that sort of deficiencies, so Saturday, it's him and Manicero tied for the lead. Donald goes, Donald posts two double bogeys and a bogey in his first six holes. Just like, boom, blow it out to sea. Like he's got to make up a six shot deficit at one point. Uh, he's just wild. He's off the tee. There's this photo of him like hitting from the middle of these like <laughs> the forest, these like ferns. Like he's just he's just puts himself in horrible spot to start. You think there's a shot at number one? That's that's the whole looming like conversation over this entire. Mm-hmm. It's the flagship event, but it's also this number one a- a- accomplishment achievement that's on the line with Westwood right there breathing down their neck. Um, he, so he starts with two doubles and a bogey, just kind of you think that's it for his championship. Uh, I thought this quote, he talked about his scrambling or just trying to make it up. He goes, I felt somewhat like Seve. I was in the trees, leaves on my back, dropping the ball, escaping from everywhere. <laughs> leaves on my back. It would have been very easy to keep the head down and shoot myself out of the tournament, but I don't like to do that, and it was a great fight back. Uh, so... Like, he, he somehow gets it back in the third round. He shot a 72. He shot 32 on the back. He went 40-32. Right. Comes back, shot, shoots a 30, uh, 32, 72 total, stays level with Manacero at five under going to Meanwhile, but that, Westy is charging. Meanwhile, the, the, the old Like the horse on the, the outside of killing them. It just... Is uh is charging, shoots sixty nine and and goes from I think he was five back and 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 then gets himself right into the mix, only two behind. Yep, Westy looming there with the number one. He doesn't want to give up his number one that easily. Uh, so they go to Sunday again. It's it's Manicero and Donald in the final group. Um, and it's I would say it, it's it's highly illustrative of both of their careers, right? There's like missed opportunities. Uh, it's really back and forth. Like just when you think they're coming undone, like how, how did he, he miss the club face on that one? And then he makes a miracle, like comeback shot. It was like a lot of back and forth for both of them, a lot of shakiness. And then like a couple miracle shots to get, get back in it. Like just when it looks like two bogeys in a row, 
oh my god this he's done all of a sudden now he's hitting some brilliant like cut shot out of the trees and making a miracle par it was a very like illustrative couple hours of 20 years at least for westy and, and probably even for donald too 20 years of their career did you happen to see so they ended a tie did you happen to see westy's putt to to win the tournament outright on the 18th hole I have it highlighted four different times in my notes, just to make sure we didn't miss it. It is six feet on 18 to win it outright. He didn't know it at the time. Would have won it outright. Six feet. It is pure uncut Westy, this six-foot putt that would have won the tournament. He missed a cup right. It was a six-footer that didn't move much. (laughs) It didn't move much, and he missed it a cup right. It was like a very straight six foot putt that missed a cup right. It was, I, I like vividly remember this tournament. I remember watching it. It was like I remember. T- I think I probably was a little foggy. It was at a point in my life where you know a lot of Saturdays were late nights, yeah. and I was a little foggy. Yeah. Turned the TV on, and I was like, "Huh." Westy and Donald's, you know, battling down the stretch. And I remember. I vividly remember that putt. And just being like, how? That's like one of the worst putts I've ever seen. This little I think, did I know that the 2016 Ryder Cup was coming. Right, right. It was. It was a lot of that. Westy, I guess, you know, early in the like 16, he missed his fairway. He missed the fairway. He hit like a ridiculous carved seven iron that rolled to four feet. Um, like he's just a lot of that coming down the stretch. He three putted. I mean, this was the story of of Westy at this era, like this time. Like this isn't that far removed from the Tory Pines uh, U.S. Open where he just booted it down the stretch. Right, right. So so Westy misses a six footer that would have won it. Donald on uh, he lips out a birdie on seventeen that would have been the difference. Um. Uh, after I guess he had this amazing rescue shot, his his approach shot hit a tree, and then he hit an amazing rescue shot that almost uh, that you know lipped out a birdie putt that would have won it. On eighteen, he hit his tee shot um, into a bunker, fairway bunker, and and Westwood hit his five wood into the gallery on the eighteen, and somehow still had a six footer to win it after hitting his five wood into the gallery. So again, they were just spraying the ball everywhere and somehow ended up with, with short birdie putts. Donald, in, in contrast to Westy's six-footer, had a 33-footer for birdie at 18. You know, he gave it a roll. Didn't, didn't go in. So they're tied at, what was it, six under to go to this playoff, which is a memorable, memorable playoff. More for what it said maybe about Westworth, West, uh, Wentworth than either of them. Uh, so they go to 18. They return to 18 for the playoff. Uh, they find the fairway. Westy. Donald throws one, what Westy thought was going in the back bunker. Westy is just sort of aghast at, at how this all transpired. They're number one, on the, number one in the world on the line. Donald throws one way back, and back at the green, spins it uh, to a few feet. Westy hits it even closer. Spins off. These TPC sawgrass type, like railroad ties, elevated green. And you'd think there's like some Florida alligator. No, we're in the middle of the English forest down below. Spins off into this bog or this, this, this 
waterway below. It was such a good shot. It wasn't that and good of a shot. Just, he pulled it, he tugged it a little bit. But yeah, the. Well, he said, here's Donald. It wasn't a bad shot. Just had a little bit too much spin on it. It was just unfortunate. You don't like to see that. Lee is a champion and has been number one for European golf. Quote Westwood, where did the ball pitch? It's amazing it went in the water. When Luke's shot was in the air, I thought it might have gone in the back bunker. Westy, incredulous. Yeah, He's, Luke's, Luke's shot pitch? landed on like the back fringe. And, and yeah. Westy's landed like probably 15 feet above the hole, but a little left. Yes. So this is the takeaway. I, I think, obviously, given the stakes, Westy's rolling off into the front, wa- uh, front water off the edge. Dropping some, I don't know. Let's be realistic, though. Also, like if he ends up with an eight footer, is it any? <laughs> does it end any differently? That's true. That's true. Like he just missed, I thought... he just missed the cup or the the hole by a cup on a straight six footer to win. That's fair. That's fair. One thing uh, also visually from this that I thought was cool, and we're hearing a lot about this week. Um, Fans filling the fairway. They like line the fairway, yeah. old school, like middle, like, you know, wh- wherever the water hazard is not. They're not jumping off the railroad ties or whatever into the water, but just it was old school. And one thing I've heard actually on the ground this week is how it just feels like so incredible. Completely different, obviously, so, compared to last October. It feels closer to normal. It's like the fans, there's a ton of juice, ton of life. Uh, this is according to a couple caddies on the ground. And and that was one of the visuals you notice. Um watching 2011 the fans lining the 18th green lining the fairway running out in the middle of the fairway this is their you know it's the biggest event a golf event in the london area certainly on the european tour so you know we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the golf course had been recently redesigned by ernie ellis (laughs) and didn't didn't come with high praise when we're discussing what happened on 18 with the westie spinning off like there was yes. a lot of uh, animosity from players about what had happened to the golf course, uh, you know, leading up to this event. And, you know, one of the things like Paul Casey mentioned in 2017 uh, about 2011, he said, you had the two best players in the world on a reachable par five and they're hitting hybrids off the tee and laying up. That can't be good architecture. Yeah. Well, that's a good, good question. Must you know, be hitting five wood into the gallery. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, yeah. It, but it anyways, was... one other thing. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this run of Westy. You know, this is a close call at a big time event. He he went he had seven top three finishes in fifteen majors during this period. This is right in the middle of that. Seven top threes in fifteen majors. That's banana land. Good. Yeah. No wins, yep. but no seven. Wins. I was going to say top, top three. <laughs> and no here's wins. another second. And he loses his number one in the world ranking. Too. Finishing you second know. in a huge event. Right, right. right. Um, uh, this was a buttress in your L's comment. Because a tournament, this is a gamer. Just a nameless gamer where they're not supposed to insert opinion. A tournament of mostly unimpressive scoring due to a redesign from Ernie Els that has made the West course almost unplayable. <laughs> unplayable. They just had the flagship. Or to fiend, or two fiendishly difficult pin placements, depending on whom you believe, continued throughout the final round. A tournament of mostly unimpressive scoring. Unplayable. The, 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 
the core stuff was like a leading story, and it led to Ian Poulter and the owner Richard Caring, Dick Caring, in a uh, in a back and forth in the press. So, what year, do we know when this was? Caring sold it to a tie 2015, or, or but this okay. is 2011. Right. This is 2011. This okay. is what the back and forth, right? So this is from okay. Lawrence Donegan, uh, Guardian, it, when he was writing for the Guardian. Another year at the BMW Championship, another verbal dust-up about Wentworth's controversial <laughs> West Course, labeling England's Augusta this week by Ernie Els, uh, labeled England's Augusta this week by Ernie Els, <laughs> but described in less flattering terms on Friday by England's very own Ian Poulter. I don't like this course. Golf course, period. End of story, said Poulter after signing a three-over-par round of 74, the most notable and clearly most irritating aspect of which was a double bogey at seven at the 18th. I don't have a problem with tough courses, but I am absolutely fuming. I've hit what I thought was a perfect shot, and it finishes in the water hazard. Marvelous. So I think this is... Where Westwood kind of felt during yeah. the playoff. In other words, not marvelous, not for Poulter, not for Richard Caring, the club's owner who has spent millions over the last two years to improve the West course, and not for Els, who was entrusted with the job of redesigning one of the country's best-known layouts. Understandably, Els was very unhappy to find his work was once again under scrutiny. Although this year, he was more measured in his defense. He said, Wentworth is now a fair and honest test of golf. Players who don't have a good time on the 18th will have a go, and I understand that. But you have to look at the overall picture, and I do not believe you'll find better surfaces to putt on anywhere in the world, which is ironic given the next round of changes. Poulter ended, concluded this, Donegan ended the article with uh, a Poulter quote, is it fun? So somebody must have asked him if it was fun. Is it fun? <laughs> it's not fun. <laughs> Turned so, it around on him. <laughs> so then later in the wor- week, Caring, you know, this is after the tournament, Caring, a billionaire. This is a, he's a fashion industry entrepreneur who bought the club for 130 million pounds, I think, in like 2004, I believe uh, he saw he got it. So so he, right, he claps back. Right. This is a Reuters article. Um, Reuters, Reuters, <laughs> Reuters. I think we've done this before. All right, Reuters. Go ahead. <laughs> he spent he spent twelve million dollars on the remodel just to put it oh, into context. God. Oh God. <laughs> So, so much money. He he his stance was that he and Els were vindicated for making the changes when the top two players in the world dominated the European Tour's flagship event. Where have we seen this take trotted out before? Oh well the the best players ended up at the top of the leaderboard, so it's a good great course. Right. Right. This is a very you know this is a, we see it at WGC. So you got the best seven, the seven of the top ten players of the world were at this event this few, week, and we're really surprised that two of the best ended up at the top of the leaderboard. Right, right. All right, here's right. his comments back to Ian. Ian is a great thing for the sport. He's fabulous, larger than life, a great talent. He's relevant 
And sh- there should be more Ian Poulters. This is how he starts it. And this is the ultimate, like, having said that, preface. <laughs> like, like buttering him up before, <laughs> before the dig. Yeah. But when you look back at his comment on Friday, they shouldn't have made the changes because it was more fun before. Maybe he got a little excited, and I questioned whether or not he was looking back on it. He might have been uh, a little extreme. Ian has played in 10 PGA championships, missing the cut in seven times. And his best result prior to the changes was 33rd. Now, if he calls that having fun, that's different. But at least he made the cut this time. What? I mean, <laughs> just like, this guy taking a run. Flamethrower. Dragging out his record. <laughs> to pop back at him. I, I would like say it. I would say the fact that Poulter had a bad record before makes his comments even more valid. Right. Like right. that he ne- he didn't play well at the golf course before the changes makes his cop like it, it's it's somebody that has removed his bias actually, you know? Yep. Honest to that- God, he's uh- I have it on right now, and he looks huffy as hell. He just ripped the head cover off. This is 2021. We're talking. I have it on in the background. Came on the screen. He's ripping the head cover off. Looks not pleased with himself. I think he's one under par, but doesn't look happy as you're talking about it. All my right. favorite. So my favorite part of this article is their description of uh, caring. They they yeah. call him the permatanned caring who ran fingers through his long, flowing white hair. So this is what he's saying. I don't quite understand what he was saying. I have some wonderful shot. I- I've seen some wonderful shots out of the trees. Sevi Ballesteros style. Luke hit yeah. one of the most magnificent shots I've ever seen out of the trees on 13 on Saturday. I just don't see how we have lost that. You look at equipment today where you fly a ball 300 yards in the air. Do these guys really want to play a course that's fun where you can shoot 62s and 63s and end up winning with 26 or 28 under par? I don't think that's fun. That's easy golf. Fun is Disneyland. This is a challenge to a golfer. Ironically enough, Disneyland is where Luke Donald would lock Disney World would lock up the money title on the PGA Tour to, to, to capture both sides. Disney facts are this year. Caring, um, who made right. his fortune in property, leisure, fashion, and catering, acknowledged that the West Course on the outskirts of London was challenging and unforgiving, but he said he was delighted with the revamp. We have a sensational <laughs> golf course. It's a tough golf course, but I wanted it to be tough. I wanted people to play. I, I wanted people to play with their heads, but also uh, with their talent round here. And I think it's been proven this past week. The cream rises to the top, and we had a world number one spot being vied for by Luke and Lee. And I don't think we could have asked for a better result. So he did acknowledge that some of the pin placements. Might have been tough, and he and he blames it on on Monty going out and shooting because he was five under through eight in Thursday's oh, first round, and uh, and he says that the tour panicked and said, "My God, this is too easy." So before he finished, he said that they re-looked at the pin placements and decided they wanted to make it a bit more difficult. I. 
He said yeah. that, that him and Ernie didn't get to pick the pin positions, but he did volunteer that he would next year if they asked him. <laughs> so, I mean, while we're here, we should talk. Like we mentioned oh, this. It's like a... Go one ahead. last go thing. Ahead. This is the, yeah. the, the cherry on the top. After two years of complete redevelopment, Caring promised no more major changes. All right. right. I think a golf course is the same as life. If you stand still, you go backwards. This golf course has been brought into the new age now. We'll always tweak things and try new things, but I can't see any major changes coming up. We've done those. Oh, God. All right. So... Adam Schupach article, 2017. Ernie Els de- design. This is after C- Casey's comments in 2011. You're the two best players in the world that reach both par five, hitting hybrids off the tee. That can't be good architecture. This is after all the polter back and forth. Hybrids Ernie and Els- laying up. Yes. Hybrids and laying up. Double Ernie layup. Els- <laughs> 2017, double layup and spin off into the water still, which you claim. So are you alleging Westy hit, he tugged it a little bit. He went oh, left of yeah. where he wanted to go. It, it well, was, he said he, where did it He, hit it, he right. hit it right into the, like the severe slope. The thing just I zipped. Like I, I will, I will never forget that golf shot ever in my life. I don't know okay. why I just like, went, that is a shot that I'll never forget. He was left of a left pin, kind of, right? I mean, yeah. with, with with water on the left, so, yeah. You The highlight um, still is up. Like, you can watch it. Yeah, right. Uh, so this is, no more changes coming. This is 2017 Adam Schupach article. Ernie Els' design was given a mulligan after last year's tournament. By the way, we should note, Els was responsible for changes in 06 and 09 and 10 to make the horse course Harder to play, quote, maybe too hard. So then, now we're 2017, it was given a mulligan after last year's tournament. The Rainwood Group, so Caring's gone. The Thai Chinese company that bought Wentworth in 2014 earmarked $6 million to improve the West Course as part of a 20 million uh, pounds renovation of the entire club. So another $6 million in 2016-17. The greens this is, were. Re- this is a. Let me just make one point. This is more of a fried egg point. Michael McCartan, uh, architect, came on my pod once and said, "You know, good golf architect- architecture doesn't cost more than bad golf architecture." And this is yeah. like the the counterpoint is actually good golf architecture is costs less than bad golf architecture. And this is yeah. like a case case study A. Tory Pines would rebuilt. be case study 1A, and this would be 1B. Greens were rebuilt and re-turfed rebuilt. with double O's. Re-turfed, the best putting surfaces ever you could ask for, you know, just a few years ago, according to Ernie. Sub-air installed, you know, we know that. 29 bunkers were removed to reintroduce some of the original strategy of the cult design. Greens at the 8th, 11th, 14th, and 16th have been completely remodeled and several several others have received a nip and tuck so where do we where do we draw the line between completely remodeled and nip and tuck well at least four were completely remodeled several others nip and tuck quote we believe this helps more closely realign the course with harry colt's original version whilst whilst also being mindful of demands of the modern game always a delicate balancing act ellis said 
Paul McGinley and Thomas Bjorn consulted on the project in uh, 16 and 17. The design team received a huge vote of confidence from the defending champion, Chris Wood. Well, that's good. He returned to the course on May 4th for a grand reopening. This is 2017. You can play a tour event here today, and there would be no complaints from the players. Um, I don't think players still love it. I don't know if we've had really the war of words like Poulter in 2011, but it's not a favorite, and you're not getting everybody to show up. You know, I'd like mm-hmm. to get Billy Boy's comments on it. You know, candid comments on it. Yeah. So, again, rebuilding ger- rebuilding greens, returfing, the whole deal. Six million dollars. Here's it's the just thing. kind of been well since 06, 09, and sixteen. I Go love ahead. Ernie Els. Golf architecture wise, don't really love Ernie Els. <laughs> and um, you know whether or not like. It's it's murky as to what Wentworth like how good Wentworth was of Colts courses. Like a lot of yeah. time you you it wasn't, you know, Port Rush or you know anything. It was Sure. And I think that's like the thing is like but given the history of the place, uh the there needs to be a restoration done. And it needs to Some be his- a, Go ahead. a very, like, just, it needs to be a restoration. And you need to hire somebody that restores golf courses, not one that butchers them. And that's what Ernie does. Some of that history, obviously, was built in the 20s. It, it, it's kind of the, the Ryder Cup was born, sort of, with Samuel Ryder, watching Abe Mitchell beat, like, an American opponent. This is from Shupak. You know, he play, and Ryder in the bar afterwards says, we must do this again. And he donated the golden trophy that is still awarded to the winning team. You know, obviously, 64, they had Palmer come for the what was the world match play. Um, and he won it right away. Like, the purse has always been huge. It's just, it's got a lot of history. It's just the recent history of the last 20 years is just kind of comp- constantly chopping and screwing the whatever's there. Um while we're on the subject of history, I found this one interesting. We talked about the cash and seven of the top 10 being there in 11. I found this 2005 Wentworth article, and this is sort of the constant uphill struggle. Retief Goosen, this is a New York Times article. Goosen firing off at U.S. golfers for not coming to Wentworth. Um, he, he's led the criticism of Tiger Woods and I'm Phil Mickelson. I'm surprised he for- spoke. I know for not taking part in the world match play championship, which is the sport's biggest first prize. It's a 16 player tournament at this point. So BMW PGA is still not on the, on the radar yet. 16 player tournament began Thursday without an American for the first time in its 41 year history. So Palmer was like that big ambassador mm-hmm. in 1964 and he won it. Goosen was two time U S open champion was the only top 10 player in the field vying for the $1 million or $1 million pound prize, $1.83 million winner's check. That's huge in 05. Woods, Mickelson, Chris DeMarco, who was part of that, I mean, was in that sentence at that time, and Davis Love III declined invitations. People, quote, are wondering why you don't have the top players here, Goosen said. It's a shame that top players don't have any desire to come and play. First-class air ticket, free house with a chef on the Wentworth estate, and the promise of 110 grand for a first round loss. So last, unbelievable. I don't know what one else has to do," said Colin Montgomery, who won in 1999. "You put up a last place of over 100 grand; it doesn't seem to be enough to attract the top Americans." 
In first round play Thursday, I just had to throw this out there. Goosen defeated Kenneth Ferry, a favorite of this uh, spotlight series Kenny Ferry in was 2006. In, in 2011, Go. Kenny Ferry was uh, was like T6 after one round. Yep. He had Mark Hensby involved. So anyways, this is kind of like, there's this course history and then there's this event history, which is sort of mixed with, with a lot of uh, reformations, kind of permutations uh, and format changes in addition to the course. But again, it's this constant push and pull. A lot of money. Rolex series, obviously, now it's got a lot of money. Had a lot of money in 11. And, uh, you know, but always this moaning about the course, moaning about do we have everyone here that we should. But 2011 was not, not that issue. So, I, um, all right, One reason, else? like, people might ask why Ernie Els was picked as the architect. I don't know. It, 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 He's a resident, right? Yeah. A, a, a former Wentworth resident and seven-time champion of the world match play there. So that's, you know, like, that's how he got picked as the architect. Yeah. Yeah. So he was a favorite. All right. Should we... Uh, do you want to swing back a little bit more yeah, to Donald? to Donald. Let's, let's, let's get Donald back 2011. on it. All right. So let's do a little bit of background. I know you mentioned like the Chicago upbringing. I found like a... <laughs> his, his earliest like kind of hype. He's widely thought to have one of the finest swings in the game, but is only in recent years, this is 2011, he has shown the quality he demonstrated on the notoriously difficult U.S. college circuit. He was raised in Hemel Hempstead, but went to college in the U.S., as he felt it would strengthen his game. His time at Northwestern was a tremendous success. He beat the scoring record of a certain Tiger Woods, and he won the individual uh, 99 NCAA title. He turned pro in 01. Was a Walker Cup star. Twice, right, I believe? Yeah. At least twice. He passed 1 million in his first season after turning pro, on, on tour, I should say. Um, and this was like in 11. He's expected to be one of Woods' main challengers for majors. <laughs> But that victory has so far eluded him. Um, did you want to say anything about that? Like the upcoming, the the sort of the college path. You, you, I think you've already hit on it. It was like this wasn't always like the nor- normal route, right? Yeah, you know, Faldo I think, and Monty well, I think, dabbled I think for guys a, a week went and over. Went yeah, guys yeah. went over, but then they'd go. You know, when they went to play, they'd go back. You know, I think, and I think that's the thing that Donald, Donald kind of did differently and had success with it. And I think that he actually like, I don't, before we did this, I didn't ever think of this, but I think he kind of was the guy that made it the norm, you know? Right. Like, right. You saw like all these other, all the stars like get homegrown, even like we see Australians coming over now and playing college golf. And, you know, that wasn't the case back in the nineties as much, you know, we see all the European kids come over unless you're like a phenom and you turn pro at 18 or 19. Um, you know, that's, that's really, I think he was really the first one because of the idea of like, I'm going to go play on the PGA tour right after. And I think a lot of it was how much exposure he had, how much, how big of a name he was. Um, you know, like you have to keep in mind, this wasn't the, the, Social media didn't exist. He That's, was a huge yeah. name, and before he turned pro, and he and he filled up all the sponsors' exemptions. Like that's how he got on the tour, right? It was because of yeah. you know, like his his name brand. That's that like this had existed because like you know whatever. And that's where Faldo the, went to the Houston. Northwestern factor probably right. Was. Right, 
but you had to win like the British boys. Like you, like to, whereas like now it's analogous to like recruiting almost like college football recruiting, maybe like 1990. You're, it's like one guy in his rating service who went across the country and was like, all right. This, and a lot of guys would slip through the cracks. Now it's like hard, even if you're in Europe, even if you're in Fiji, VJ would probably been discovered nowadays. Like just the internet provides a pretty big uh, microscope, you know, a, a cast a wide net. It's like Gian- it, it, Giannis is a perfect example. Like he sure. got drafted 16th off of like grainy videos in a in a YMCA gym in Greece. You know, right, right. Whereas like if you're good at golf, you're good at college, uh, high school football. Like you're going to be found. You're not going to slip through the cracks. I mean, there are of course some that blossom later, but like even everybody in Europe is if, if NCAA coaches are going to find you. So, but but not necessarily at that time. No. Um. All right, you want a little more Donald? This yeah. is an 05, are you, am I jumping ahead of you? No, go. 05 article, Seth Davis. It was called The Portrait of an Artist. How about Seth in, Davis? It, in SI, Portrait of an Artist on Luke Donald. Yeah, he had just kind of threatened at the Masters, but not, not one. They, he talked about at this point, so he's been pro four or five years, still six years from that world number one. His career ascent has been a steady, quote, a continuous plod, according to... Uh, Goss, his college coach, rather than sort of this spectacular burst. Donald says, my career has been about slow progress in his fifth year, but I've improved every year and have high expectations. I see myself winning majors for sure. I have what some might call a busy head, says Donald. I'm always thinking ahead, trying to figure out the best way to approach things. He uh, attributed his good play in this Masters um, to... Uh, two-day practice session at Augusta. He's obviously, he's, he's now he's just dating Diane uh, Antonopoulos, the, mm-hmm. the Chicago, yeah. North, North, North Shore, northern suburb of Chicago, and who he met at, at Northwestern, um, who said, Luke doesn't relax easily. He's either usually doing something or thinking about doing something. This is the busy head. From the day I met Luke, I never felt as if he were winning it, said Pat Goss. He has the ability to process things and remember them. We travel someplace that Luke has gone to once a year, and it amazes me how well he remembers directions. He's the same way during practice rounds. So just like no reps off, no just like a, just constantly busy body. And so that was what they talked about in this article. Like rarely do you have both the creative, like the artistic, and also sort of this this like meticulous sort of. Uh, machine-like processing busy head like it's like they talk about how he liked to paint yeah he was like a big painter at northwestern and so he's got like both sides of the brain and they had like psychologists talk about this rarely do you have someone who has both sides of the brain working like this in conjunction um go ahead were you gonna say something no no Okay, here's the quote he's highly creative but there's a discipline about him that most people don't uh, most creative people don't have. That was like an Illinois performance coach. Um, when he learned when Northwestern didn't offer a business degree, he opted for a major in art theory in practice. That's quite a quite a swing the other way, going from business to art theory. So, and at this time in 05, he was working on a painting of the 18th hole at Cog Hill in uh, Lamont. Pre pre Reese, which well, it's going to grace the cover of the tournament program of the Western Open. Western Open. Pre-Reese 18th Hall. So he started on two victorious Walker Cup teams. He had that 99. He's only 5'9", and a low ball flight lacked power. 
Goss added width to Donald Swain, and the results were dramatic. So he showed up. I I guess the Stanford coach was like, you need to take this guy. He didn't get into Stanford. He didn't make it and and told Goss, like, you should take take this guy. Um, And and I guess he widened his Swain to add a little bit. Um, I guess, and this was his one moment of controversy. This is from the Seth Davis article. uh, A moment of controversy. In Spain, when he and Casey were teaming up for the World Cup in England, they start, they've never been Ryder Cup, and they're poking the fires. Casey, earlier in the week at this World Cup event, said that, that he properly hated the U.S. Ryder Cup team. And then Donald jumps in. So Casey's getting all this heat for saying he hated the Ryder Cup team. Donald jumps in to support Casey and said the Americans are very insular. I guess it's a reaction to the Americans' way of thinking that they have the best country in the world and they don't really need to leave. Donald also echoed Casey's disparaging comments concerning the selection of Tom Lehman as captain of 06 Ryder Cup team, the legendary, you know, veteran, J.J. Henry, saying, I don't really know how good of an appointment that was. I think from what I've read, the Americans were running out of candidates and he was kind of a choice they probably wouldn't have made if a few others had accepted. You've got these young whippersnappers, Casey and Donald, just talking shit about American way of life, layman, just unbelievable stuff. So uh, that was a, a moment of controversy ahead to the surface. Um, and of course, you know, he wasn't wrong about necessarily that 06 Ryder Cup team. So, well, I, I thought it was interesting to hear from a guy who was American who'd gone to college there. Not, not, not American, I should say. He went to college there, was living there, had sort of adopted it more than most, and did the Florida thing eventually, saying it's a reaction to Americans' way of thinking that they have the best country in the world that they don't really need to leave. It's very insular. Not wrong, but he, was, he wasn't exactly posted up in Europe at the time. So, you know, something I thought was really interesting is um, there, there's Justin Rose comments, uh, quotes, after the Donald win, and he talks about how He's so impressed and amazed by Luke's consistency. Okay. And like okay. just all around excellence, right? Now, yep. these two obviously kind of both English highest profile players of this era from England along with like Westwood. Um, but they kind of cross paths a few years later at the U.S. Open at Marion. They're playing in the final group together. Um, what I interviewed... so. You know, Rose, he kind of had this renaissance where he chased speed, and everybody talks about Bryson chasing speed. Rose was really the first one that did it effectively. He, t- I think he mm-hmm. called it like Project 300 or something. And he became a long hitter when he was a shorter hitter. And of course that's he branded wh- it. Of well, course he branded it, Rosie. You know, Go ahead. All right. But he, this was pre-number one in the world stuff. But, you know, and, and he talked about how he gained speed, and he thought that's the way I become an elite player, right? So he's admiring Donald's consistency, and he goes about it in a different way than Donald. He chases speed. He successfully gets longer. He wins a U.S. Open. He becomes world number one, and arguably – for a few years, he's the most consistent player in the world, you know? Um, Luke, when I interviewed Luke, I, I, the, at the end of the interview, I, uh, I kind of had a throwaway question. It was like, I just was like, do you, you know, anything you look back, whether it's like positive or you regret in your career? 
And he talked about the 2013 U.S. Open final round and how he watched. He struggled. He watched Justin Rose win. And he walked away thinking, God, if I could only hit the ball like Justin Rose, I, I would win some of these. Uh. And that's where he tried to change his swing. He tried to become more powerful. And that's what caused this huge, you know, like where he was so good at what he did, which was approaching, like we went through the approaching around the green stuff and on the green, where he's the best player in the world after the tee shot, you know, like tiger level after the tee shot. Um, right. And, you know, he tried to he tried to rework everything to fix his deficiency. And in the process, he lost the his great approach play. And it's just so... You know, like no golfers, I think this is what makes golf so interesting is every golfer is like its own fingerprint and no golfers like really the same. Everybody does things a little bit differently. And when you look at somebody else and try and do what somebody else does, you almost will always fail because it's inauthentic to your own golf game. And the way that you best play golf is is yourself, right? You can't look at somebody who's an introvert if you're an extrovert and say, God, I really need to have his on-course demeanor. That's not going to work for you. You know, you need to have your own <coughs> authentic flair. And the same thing with the golf game. So Luke kind of abandons everything that he does well to chase this. And in the end, it like it kind of sent him into the forest. It's a good point. It's a good point. But before he was in the forest 2011 can we finish with that yeah, like I'm I, sorry. I, that's a great no 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 that's better we don't have a roadmap on these events on these spotlights we just chat and we i just thought it was i thought it was super I, I like agree. seeing the rose comments made me immediately think about what luke said and it's just said. like crazy how their their career kind of like had this crossing moment and do you think it would have mattered though like, even if he didn't change, like, the way the well, game changed after, like, these no, last well, eight years. But the, here's the thing. Like, this is the thing is with golf is, like, you're always envious of what other players have. Like, you always are. Sure, even if you're sure. a better player than the other person. And, the you know, Rose was envious of Luke's consistency, clearly, at this point, right? Right. And he right. Saw, he went out to become more consistent. And, in, in like, his thought was distance. Luke, then they have this... I mean, the guys were playing in the final fucking group of the U.S. Open. Like, you walk right. off, you're playing in the final group, you have a, chance, a real chance to win the U.S. Open, and you walk off the course and think, I need to tear this down and rebuild it. Is what, like, think about how crazy it is when you look back on retrospect. But sure. it was this pressure, this huge pressure of, like, he's a great player, but he's, he's not a major championship player that I think got to Donald. That's what got to him. And end it right. like, like think about like if you know Sergio had said like, oh, like I got to change my game. Like he probably wouldn't have ever won the Masters. Like you know, like this is the thing. As much as we lament about Westy's like struggles, like he he has had such longevity because he's continued like being really good at a couple skills is better than being average at all of them. And like in chasing, being turning a very like. There's like there's a lot of theories around like how you should improve skills. Like if it's worth getting better at your weaknesses or investing that time and getting significantly better at what you're really good at, right? Right. And that's right. like that's like the whole discussion of Luke Donald, really, when you think about it. 
Right. I, I think like you're talking about the playing in the final group. The major thing weighed on him even in 2011, right? So he'd won the player of the year. So he wins. Like that was the next frontier. 2011, mm-hmm. like he gets to number one in the world at Wentworth, beats Westy. He wins on the PGA Tour at the WGC match play. He wins the, the Disney Children Miracle Network or whatever. He wins twice and then wins Wentworth in between. So he gets 2011 Player of the Year. Wins a yeah. money title on the U.S. side and the Euro side. Um, but he didn't win a major. And I think there was like a little, um, a little like, not insecurity, but acknowledgement of it. Like he didn't win any of the majors in 2011. He won Player of the Year. He goes, I felt like I deserved it, but obviously the way the year went, there was a little bit of ambiguity because I only won twice. Again, that WGC, that was just PGA Tour. I think there will always be a little bit of an asterisk next to my name until I win one. He's talking about a major, but I'll be trying very hard to correct that. Um, Just because we're in uh, end of year award season, I should add, Rory McIlroy won, uh, uh, was the other, was considered the player of the year honor in 2011. Uh, but he wasn't eligible because he chose not to be a card-carrying member of the PGA Tour after being snubbed for Rookie of the Year honors last year in favor of Ricky Fowler, despite Rory winning in Charlotte. So he didn't even—he decided not to be a PGA Tour member after Ricky got him Love for Rookie that. of the Year. Probably Man, would have won Player of the Year. Bring that, Rory, bring that Rory back. That's. <laughs> that that, what if Zalatoris did that? Yeah, just give me your. <laughs> That was uh, interesting. So he probably would have beat Donald, maybe for uh, for for Player of the Year. So, so the anyway. uh, the other thing with Donald, like we talked about, seven top threes for for Westy and in fifteen majors during this period. Like Westy built for majors, like game just totally built for majors. Um, and you know this is the, this goes into a bigger point. Like if if major championships were set up differently, would you know in golf courses weren't going through crazy lengthenings would Luke Donald have had more success, you know? Um, but the, the, the thing with Luke in his entire career, five top fives and majors. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. I, so he, he gets a lifetime uh, 2011 because of his, his work Wentworth and money title. He gets a lifetime membership. He goes, I'm not going to, his quote was, I'm not going to shy away from it, he said. That's the one thing missing on my resume. I want to win majors. So it's like, getting to number one in the world might have been, I mean, it was obviously a blessing, but also a little bit of a curse because obviously the next, it you're became, always trying like to win the, majors, well, that's but the thing. it felt like the only thing that he wanted to attain, right? It, yeah, and, and it's like, so much of this stuff is like bounces of the ball, right? And different yeah. things going one way or another, and you never know, like when your best is going to come on the week of a major, right? The DL3 syndrome where his best always came the week after. Um, but with Luke, like, you know, the it's, I mean, that's the hard thing with golf, right? You accomplish these things and it's on to the next thing. And then when you're, you're trying to accomplish the next thing, you often think like, how, what do I have to do to, to get this next thing? And a lot of times it's just like, keep being really good at what you do and wait for the right moment. And in 2013, Marion was one of those moments, uh, you know, like when you think about the setup for is a short golf course, like really like everybody's missing greens, everybody's missing yeah. fairways. 
like perfect place for Luke Donald to contend because of like just the like you could play great, hit it great tee to green and hit like, you know, seven fairways and 12 greens. And that's the type of place like the Harbor Town, you know, where Luke Donald, everybody's missing green. That's why Luke Donald plays well there is everybody misses greens. Everybody misses fairways. And um, you have this setup and it just doesn't go your way. And you think I got to blow it up. You know, right. it's taking one bad day, one day where you watch somebody stripe it and saying, I have to change everything. It's it's a wild thing. I love that. Marion's one of my favorite majors. Like, I remember so much about it. I was covering the game then. I, like, hardly remember him even being involved. In well, he, like, he, I, I just, he got kind of blown out I, to uh, sea on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I, I barely remember that. Um, all right. So, so he gets number one in the world at Wentworth. He holds it for much of the much of the year, the rest of 2011. <clears throat> First two months of 2012, he holds it, and Rory then takes over. So you got this four Euro Tour players mm-hmm. uh, with Kyler West, with Donald, and, and now Rory. Rory's joining the battle. I thought this was funny. So Donald wins the transitions in uh, Tampa, another course probably that's pretty well suited for him. Um, he, he won a four way playoff. Quote: It gets he he takes number one back from Rory. In 2012, like, you know, spring of 2012 before the Masters. Quote, Rory got a taste, and I'm sure I'll want more, said Donald. It's nice to have a little back and forth. Golf is in a good spot right now. And this is Gary Van Sickle. Things could only get better if, say, Donald's win was the start of something big, like a delicious battle at the top, or maybe even an out-and-out rivalry. So Rory-Donald rivalry going forward. Again, this was like the Tiger-Fallow period, right? 08, you're talking about 11, Mm -hmm. 12... You don't even Ricky, know if he's going to... Ricky's, you know. Ricky's uh, the great American hope. Right, right. Hunter, so Hunter Mahan. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> so Tiger's gone. We're talking about Donald Rory out-and-out rivalry that I don't know if that really uh, matriculated over the, the, the uh, later years. So, all right. That's most of what I got. I mean, it was just, it was good to look back at that Wentworth. I will be watching 18 with bated breath again. No, it's been, it's not quite what we saw in 2011. So, yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, You got anything else? Closing thoughts? Nothing else. You know, all right. This is a fun era era to look back on because of, you know, it's the, it's the era, you know, I watched a ton of. You know, yeah. you remember all yeah. the all the characters like Johan Edford. <laughs> Absolutely. Big Q was always a favorite of mine. So Ed Force. Remember Chris Berman always shouting about Johan Edforce when he'd inevitably show up on like the first day leaderboard of the US Open. So all right. That was a little bit of a spotlight. Wanted to talk about Wentworth, the Donald Westy stuff. Uh, and the BMW PGA, Luke Donald, obviously, we, we kind of meandered about, but we thought we'd, we'd, we'd focus a little bit on a, a, a overseas spotlight. So, all right, everyone enjoy your weekends. We'll be back Sunday night, Monday, recap BMW PGA, probably some uh, Euro Ryder Cup picks, and we'll talk to you next week.